Good day, good evening, good night, good afternoon, and good morning. And welcome to another exciting episode of The Black Cauldron. This is episode number 18. And today, more than anything else, I really needed this podcast. Well, I've always needed this podcast. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was keep thinking, you know, like the world of make-believe. I don't know, because I think the real world these days seem like it cannot be real. So I don't even know what's fact from fiction anymore. But before I go any further, let me introduce my co-hostesses with the mostesses. Oh, by the way, so let me just say before I go any further, introduce my co-hostesses. <laughs> the Black Cauldron is really a literary exploration. Yes, it started with the Harry Potter um, books and we are still in that journey. But perhaps we will go on to other books, just not the Twilight series, of course. But we will be good <laughs> delving into other books after Whenever we finish, as Janina shows me that we will not finish the Harry Potter series until the end of the year. She's going to go back and do page by page um, replay. But <laughs> let me introduce my co-hostesses with the mostesses. We have Professor Deb. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Looking forward to continuing our discussion. Yes, we're still in book number six. This is we're here forever. I think this That's is our right. fifth episode. That's fine. That's and fine. we haven't even finished. We haven't even come to the cave. And <laughs> we have <laughs> we have Janina from Far in Ohio. How are you doing? I'm okay. What kind of forever? I know. This is such I a know. sad moment. And another magical world. That's why we're going to dive into Harry Potter and feel happy about it. Yes, and we have reels. I really wanted to go to Wakanda. I saw some issues, but, you know, I really wanted to go there. Um, but, so we are in book number six, as I said, the the Half-Blood Prince. And we sort of did some really, really excellent work. If you haven't, you can go back to the other four, earlier four episodes, if I'm not mistaken, four or five episodes. And we're at the point where we have met Tom Riddle, who will become Dumbledore? We Voldemort. What did I say? Dumbledore, right? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know he want. He really wanted to be Dumbledore, right? He wanted that power and influence of Dumbledore, but that's basically what he was being. What's what he's been chasing, but never quite got it. And so we we got to see Harry in full leadership role as a Quidditch captain, getting in trouble with Snape, detention. Him fighting his best friends, Ron and Hermione, about all myriads of things. Whether it's Ron and Hermione fighting. Then we have this, um, what did Ron call um, Ginny a scarlet woman or something? Of <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be one of those. <laughs> oh. Scarlet women. Exactly. Um, we saw Ron, you know, his reaction to being dragged to failed by his sister being accused of not kissing a girl he returned in spectacular fashion by having himself a lavender brown and we're really at the point where we're just i guess coming close to the holiday um the christmas holiday though they don't celebrate christ but they celebrate christmas holiday doesn't but, everyone I mean, no, not it's everyone a actually. Very secular holiday, the way they're celebrated, right? Books, which is kind of the way a lot of people celebrate 
Yep. I know lots of non-Christian people who put up a tree and exchange gifts and decorate their house just because they think it's pretty and fun. Oh, no. I do get that, but I do know that even if you even if you do celebrate it as a secular holiday, there is still reference of the religious nature of, of it. Of course! But, as I said, Harry Potter doesn't... One of the interesting things about this world, there is no mention of religion. And I don't know if this could be, like, a a critique of humanity in to say that your weaklings are believing in some supernatural power when we are with power, magical supernatural power in some way. I mean, but that's a description for uh, somebody doing a PhD. It won't be us. Um, just giving you some ideas, folks. Just giving you some ideas. I mean, uh, I wonder if you can get a PhD in Harry Potter. That might be an interesting degree. I, I don't go for it. I don't know if in you can write your thesis on Harry Potter, but I don't know if you would get a degree in Harry Potter. You have a. You can get a PhD in children's, children's literature, literature, and that could right. be a thesis. Yeah. That could be a thesis. Or you can actually draw some sociological um, connection with fantasy. And I, I don't want to do all that. I just want a Harry Potter degree, okay? I'm sure J.K. Rowling would give you something. <laughs> uh, you probably get an NEWT outstanding, you know, certificate <laughs> <and> outstanding. <laughs> That's the most you can hope for. If, unless you don't want to do any work, academic research, and pulling out those old tomes in the uh, British Library, right? Yeah, you can get an outstanding. Um, so we we're at the point where Harry has been avoided the slug. Is it? Uh, it's not the slug fest, but the, the, slug, <laughs> club. the slug club. <laughs> that's it. You did not say. He the is slug in avoiding the slug, the slug club um, vehemently uh, because he just doesn't like the vibe. Miney is forced to go do it alone, and eventually Slughorn finds a way to circumvent all of Harry's little trick of like scheduling Quidditch practice at the time, claiming homework, etc., and. They're kind of having a Christmas party where he has invited vampires and all manner of people. Um, I think Gwenog Jones is there, um, who comes off a little too hoity-toity. Um, he invited everyone, and Severus <laughs> is there. And there it is that Slug gives gives away that, oh, Harry is an excellent potion maker, <laughs> Severus. Right. right. <laughs> Almost He's as like, good what? as you. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and Snape ever being that you know shady dame from Seville is like we're talking about Harry Potter still like who are we mentioning Snape cannot what does he Snape. say he says I was I was never under the impression that I managed to teach Potter anything right <laughs> I mean it's a real cast of characters at that party because you know Trelawney's there um, as well. And, um, you know, just say for the liquor. Is, let's be one or let's right. straight up. That's right. Well, I mean, she's got a partner in Slughorn who's described as being very, his face is described as being very red. His velvet hat a little askew and a glass. Yeah, he's of clearly water. drunk. Yeah. yeah and, you know, so. and you know, Slughorn got the good stuff. He got yeah, the good female yeah. liquor there. <laughs> he's had somebody, one of his collection has sent it to him. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't do yellowtail friends. He doesn't do yellowtail and you know five dollars <laughs> pino gives you a two no. shot. Okay, no. he's doing vintage vineyards. Okay, he has five bottles from seventeen seventy six. Okay, 
from Jefferson's Vineyard. I'm sure Marge's Vineyard. He got it. And she's okay. there at the party. And that this is a right. little cast of characters at this party. Snape is at the party. Um, like you said, um, on Slughorn is it's he lets the cat out of the bag that somehow or another Harry has found a way to become this stellar potion student, which is like making Snape extremely suspicious. Yeah, um, yes. <laughs> I, I I love you know this this scene isn't um it's not in the movie, is it? Is anything from this book in the movie? Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I haven't watched this movie in so long I can't remember. I, I know that the um the Snape this the Snape confrontation with Malfoy is in the movie. Yeah. But I don't think we get to see too much of the party. No. And I no. wish we did. <laughs> right. Really we right. Did. Because I feel like Snape would just be side-eyeing everything and it would be so classic. Oh, totally. And he would he would barely, you know, barely let his um his disdain for Slughorn um right barely hide it, you know, because and then, uh, do you think he has disdain for Slughorn? Because he's praising Slughorn Harry for one. Yeah, and he thinks Slughorn is, is full full of foolishness. He knows Slughorn knows his stuff, but I think that Snape, um, you know, Snape lives in a we've seen, he lives in a very austere manner. And I think all of these things with the candied pineapple and the glasses of mead and even the idea of these parties would yeah. be um, something that Snape would figure would be foolishness. Okay, Snape, looks, Snape looks at Slughorn and he's like, oh, he's bougie. <laughs> right. I and mean, he, Slughorn. And the only reason he liked, he liked Slughorn is that it did give him the opportunity to have the defense against the dark arts class. Well, yeah, and also, uh, and I also assumed I never. I mean, you bring a very really interesting point because honestly, I didn't even consider. I just thought, you know, Snape just gave off the vibe of being anti-fun. You know what I mean? So whatever, whatever discontent he has at the party, (laughs) this is Snape being Snape. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, doesn't like. I think that's true. I mean, and and I think that you know you see it when he's at. You, know, you don't think he's had any having any fun at any of the Quidditch games he's at or, you know, anything else that they're doing. But I think there is something about um, about Slughorn's way of doing things that would be, you know, kind of Snape would be just like, why do I have to be bothered with this? Mm-hmm. Because, I agree. Uh, right. But I, I don't know if he because I, I assume that he and, he and Severus, he and Slughorn got on pretty well because. They were both in Slytherin, um, and right. they have an amazing affinity for um, potions. And I assume that Slughorn right. taught Snape's mother. Um, but not that you, you you mentioned something as we were talking about. I just realized that we've never really seen Snape smile or happy about anything other than if he's expressing some level of contempt or like right. sarcasm, you know, as to somebody just like tut tut Potter, bad luck. Well, you know and I mean? even like, then, we don't get a we don't get a happy smile. We get right. a sneer or you know a sinister grin or something. Right, it's never happy. No joy in this man, mm-hmm. like just no. never. Uh, I think well, he probably lived a life of heartbreak. Well, I think about the closest we've ever seen him, which we would meet in book seven, is when he was a child. Like that just seemed to be the closest I can. And, and I don't know if anything explicitly was mentioned as 
fun and joyous moment in a certain extent. But, you know, he just, I mean, like, all of the other characters have to laugh, including Voldemort. I mean, like, we've right. seen him laugh. Like, but Snape, I can't. I'm trying to really well, think of this moment. I think it's something that we can probably get into more in the next book towards the end, but right, I right, think right. that it really um it really solidifies the heartache that Snape has lived with for his most of his adult life. The the first of all, not getting the girl, losing a friend, then causing the death of someone that you truly loved. Probably the only person that he's ever loved. And he is the reason for her, her death. So he has like this sadness about him. And I think that um, we're meant to learn later that that's the source of it all. And that's why he is so gloomy all the time. That's my theory. Because we, we learn um in that that scene that we we dramatized, he loves this job. He does. He and then if he's going to admit it to Bellatrix and to Narcissa, I think we can rest assured that he does love this job. It's just that the ability to show love and the ability to show um, you know, pleasure and all of those kinds of things. He has pushed that so far down uh, joy, that we, we don't see it. Life. Right. We just don't see what joy he takes out of it. Because, I mean, I must admit that when you when you hear him say, you know, doing being able to stay on a job I love, I thought, whoa, I never heard him Snape even use that kind of language. Yeah, yeah, you know, for sure. This, this obviously is something that matters to him. So, and I don't think it was just for the purpose of, you know, getting, um, explaining himself to, to Bellatrix. I think it really was sincere that mm-hmm. he was, you know, that part of the story was, was totally sincere that he, he loves, he loves that job. He loves teaching. And, um, you know, that's just, that's just who he is. He just doesn't allow himself to really exhibit the kind of joy and pleasure. He doesn't know how to let his hair down. No. Well, I mean, wash his hair technically because his hair is all done and greasy. According to, <laughs> according, and remember, we're always seeing that through Harry's eyes. Well, so no, 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 no. Everyone, well, everyone yeah, talks about it. Ron, uh, not Ron. Um, what's his name? Um, Fred and George talk about they would run as quick as Severus Snape would see a bar of soap or some shampoo or something along those extent. They right, but it, but... Fred, Fred and George are not reliable narrators. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, no, we go back. We, we do know, uh, we, well, she's not a reliable narrator as well, but she she infers certain things along those lines. Um, Who is Petunia, she? Petunia. Oh, yes, yeah, she does. She and actually she talks does about... talk about him. Mm-hmm. Okay, but we're but way anyway, off. Let's, let's, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so needless to say, um, we're at this party, and and you know the game is just like you're right, Deb. You know this cast of characters, and you know I have to say that y'all are y'all are opening up my eyes to them little tiny details that I just sort of like overlooked, particularly with Snape, and even now at this party because I was just like, there's a vampire hair. Why is there a vampire hair around little children? <laughs> This is kind of creepy. Here, eat a pasty. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. And if you notice, there is also, a, I, at least I took this to be a sort of a gay couple because there is a man pulling him back, all right? The vampires in the company is the guest of another gentleman. 
and he's holding him back because the vampire is getting too close to some child looking like he's looking for a vein to be like, can I have right. a drink? Like a drink <laughs> off you? You know? But, you are forever making people gay. I love it. No, but I mean, it, it, it's sort of like in there. I mean, like, I mean, we'll get into this towards the end. But anyway, um, so one sort of like came as a result of this Harry being uncomfortable at this sort of thing. Um, and Hermione is running from people because McLagan is also. I think isn't McLagan there? She took. She yeah, took she McLagan. Took McLagan. So McLagan to get on Ron. Just run off. Right. Right. <laughs> and then she's ready. You know what? I have to say these children are cruel. The kind of things that they like. I'm like, girl, like these things are not okay. Like what you know is, how. What you, like you're using someone to get at someone, giving someone the. I know, but it still doesn't make it okay. Well, but no, anyway. it's not okay, but it's very spot on, I think. I, I'm, I'm not disputing she that. She doesn't really think McClagan is really interested in her, but McClagan is like, oh, she's invited me, so she must be, you know, interested. Right. And so he spends the night trying to, to track her down, and she's, she spends the night running from him. <laughs> I think it was... You know, it was I mean, she really didn't pay that much attention to to his feelings, and you know, or and I don't mean like, oh, he's got soft feelings. She doesn't really pay attention to the fact that he, how he might interpret that invitation. Right. And she just knows she wants to show up, Ron. Mm-hmm. And um, so, in a way, it's like, well, you know, you brought this on yourself, Hermione, because you invited this guy and you weren't really thinking this it's, through. This is why I think Harry is an asshole. Like, all of a sudden, you're like, you're, you're moral master all of a sudden. You're like, well, girl, you kind of did, well, what do you expect? It's McClaggan. And I'm just like, boo, it can't be you. You can't be out here trying to tell people about the decision, the bad decision that they've made in life. It can't be you, Harry. For the <laughs> amount of mess you've made at this school right. and Hermione has saved your behind. You're at the very least you could have run interference for your homegirl. You don't need mm-hmm. to be there and throw it in her face. You know what I mean? Because I wouldn't have done that to my homegirl. I'd have been like, McClagan, yeah, she's ill. She's just sick of you. Just get out I of think Harry doesn't know what to do. I don't think he feels like he's not helping Hermione. I think he probably feels like he doesn't know how to help Hermione. Like, oh, crap, I don't know what to do with this. This boy is such a... Um, and I think in many ways... I don't know whether J.K. Rowling is trying to show us like how many ways that Harry is out of touch in these kind of things. And it could just be a boy thing. Right? I wouldn't call it out of touch. I would choose immature. Yeah. But but it also shows in many ways that as we sort of pointed out, Olga, that for as many adventures as these children have had together and all of the things that they've been through, and this is like five and a half years of world of stuff. You know that they've been through all manner of dangerous situation. That these children, they don't communicate with each other. You know that there are so many things that are. It's it's just like they talk, but they don't talk, right? They're talking but, but about. I, I think they have these adventures, but in the final analysis, they're still teenagers. Yep. And when the adventures are something that happened to them, and that they have to figure out and you know manage to navigate. But the, but who they are at the core, they're still teenagers, and her, they're still navigating the the, tr- the the trial and error aspects of relationships, 
and how do you really feel about somebody and how when do you make yourself vulnerable to somebody and let them know how you really feel i mean i think that that's what that's the underlying thing that's going on in the books and especially in this book um is that despite all of this stuff that's going on harry's lessons um you know whatever is going on they're still teenagers they're still navigating um, peer pressure and peer relationships. And so I think that's what we see um, in that whole episode with her and McClagan and Harry, you know, and she said who she meant to bring, she was thinking about bringing, he's like, you go, you were considering Zachariah Smith, who, you know, he's like, he's worse than McClagan. So, you know, they're still talking about the things and the ways that teenagers talk about um, interpersonal relationships. Um, but I, I, I see this as being a sort of a way I think J.K. Rowling is trying to shed these children off their childhood in many ways. Mm-hmm. Because they're still fighting off. They're entering into adult situation. And right. over and over again, I think she's trying to break them down, basically. Because they're having to navigate all of these things. And in many ways, making choices, right? Because I think just to an extent, Ron and Hermione sort of chose to leave the adventures behind and sort of like, we want to pursue teenage sort of things, right? In terms of like maybe Ron Ron in particular, right? Ron's hormones have kicked in big time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, like he's 6'4", okay? Like he he cuts the presence of of a man, right? Right. Like he looks like a man. So, I mean, when Ginny throws that stuff in his face, I mean, that hurt. Because he was going to kill her. I mean, he was going to curse her. <laughs> I mean, like, he pulled out his wand. And I'm just like... He was embarrassed. Like, how dare yeah. you call I mean, me out on this? I mean, it, it's and embarrassment. He was so upset. But, it, but, but you know also, why he was so upset? Because it was true. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's beyond even just being embarrassed. And it's rage. Because, you know, he wanted to hurt her as much as she had hurt him with the truth. Right. Because right? he had no answer. Because he's very lippy. You know what I mean? He'd be giving, you know... he. And he's always the first to pull up his face, right? Like, you're talking too much, okay? Get out of my way and punch you in your face. Like, he's the first to do that <laughs> in every situation, you know? But it's always been a perfect forward, you know, someone who is annoying and whatever. But here was Ginny, you know, telling him something, you know, like, and he knew he couldn't tell her a liar. And, you know, and when she said, you know, who did you kiss, Aunt Muriel? Oh. <laughs> so here he is with Lavender Brown, but. I mean, what's what develops from this party is that is that the rich kid of the school, Draco Malfoy, is breaking into the Slug Club. Right. But somehow, which is rather interesting, Slughorn has made the decision <laughs> that Draco Malfoy cannot be part of the Slug Club. Apparently, Slughorn don't do ex-con children of con convict. Okay. Right. I mean, if 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 uh, if um, Lucius wasn't in Azkaban, Draco would have been receiving the first invitation. Right. Because he would have been, you know, the the Minister of Magic's right hand man. So if he if if the turn of events hadn't happened to upset that whole apple cart, because Slughorn doesn't have any use for you, unless you can be of some use to him. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, either you bring some status, or you, or in the case of our Hermione, you're the smartest, you're the brightest. 
Um, you know, there's, you're there's going a future to, for you. There, right. either you have a good present or you have a good future. Good future that that I can then cash in on when you get there. So, I mean, so the, he has he has definitely figured. I don't want to be lined up with the you know the convicts. So <laughs> you don't you know you. I'm not even looking over there. I'm not, I especially not when I'm living in Dumbledore's pocket. <laughs> right. And these so, particular convicts. <clears throat> Let's let's actually talk about something that you just said because I never you said Draco got busted crashing the party. Mm-hmm. I didn't think he was ever trying to crash the party. Was he trying to crash the party? I thought he was trying to get to the rumor requirement. Filch caught him and his cover story was I was trying to crash the party. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he was actually trying to crash the party. He didn't want to be there. It was the same situation of him using um, everybody being at Quidditch matches as an opportunity to work on the cabinet because he was going to be, it was going to be less likely realized that he was missing from, you know, where everybody was busy. Everybody right. was busy doing something else. So they weren't going to notice that he was sneaking off I doing just, this. I just assumed that the uh, <clears throat> party was in dungeon at the, the room was up on the eighth floor or something of that manner. But no, but remember, Filch caught Draco and took upstairs. him upstairs he said, and he drove he was, him. He said he was in an upstairs corridor. Yeah. And, and he, he takes him Filch down takes him to the party okay. because that's where everyone is. So that's where he's going to find the adults to punish him. That's okay. how Draco ends up at the party. Okay. He wasn't trying to sneak in because he felt left out. He was using that opportunity to go be sneaky and Filch busted his ass. So he said, and remember, Filch just assumed because Filch says, look who I caught trying to sneak into the party. And then Draco's like, okay, yeah, I was. Remember? But, but that I said that's when they break into the if wherever he was, because they were free to go wherever they wanted to in the rest of the right. This was like free time. And he so wasn't I, trying to break into the party. I yeah. know he wasn't. He wasn't. Uh, he said he was invited to the party <clears throat> and he was late getting started. And he couldn't tell Filch that he was trying to work right. on getting death right. eaters that, in the that, school. That much, I, that much I figured much. Oh yes, this is when Snape confronts him. Snape confronts him, telling him he's being stupid. Cover story, you know. Some may have known this. Yes, you're right. I am wrong in this aspect. I know that's really hard for you. Say it again. No, no, it's not. I still stand by my my thought that. Um, Slughorn is no way thinking about Malfoy. I agree. Oh, zero. None. Father circumstances. To him. Right. He doesn't want anything to do with Malfoy. None. Oh. He even the grandfather. He said, didn't he die of dragon pox? I was like, God, Horace. Gotta do all of that. <laughs> yeah, he did. He's like, oh, yes, that's right. It was so sad when he died. However, you know, not that unexpected because... Basically, nobody survives dragon pox at that age. Oh, he's a, yeah, he's like brutal. Right. He's um <clears throat> at the height of tact, that's for sure. Mm-mm. Drake goes in and tries to play the part, right? Like, you know, like, oh, my grandfather was this because he's already been overlooked in the class, in potions class. Yeah. Because he wasn't getting because he was used to being the star pupil in Snape's class, which is surprising, but okay. Um, well, you know what? On my 25th read through this book, 
<clears throat> um, since we've started this, <laughs> I actually had this thought today. So I'm currently in the place where Draco is, you know, wanting to kill Dumbledore and they're alone. And, you know, Draco, even though he's not portrayed, clearly he's not portrayed as a smart student or a, a, a gifted, you know, wizard. But if we think about, he's in all these classes with Harry at, at this year. So he's passed his OWLs to get there. So that's mm -hmm. one thing. Two, yeah. when he's having that conversation with Dumbledore later in this book, and he says, I just remember like, so he, he says that he's talking to, he's communicating with Madame um, Ruth Murda. Rose Murda using that coin charm, the mm -hmm. What is it called? The it starts with a P. A protein charm. Protein charm. So when we talked about Hermione doing that with the DA members, it was a big deal. Like this would be something that's you know hard to master at this. You know this is this is advanced stuff. But Draco's like, oh yeah, good idea. I'm gonna do that. I mean he's he's clearly not dumb, even no. though we want, we no. want him to be. Um, he's mastered occlumency. But right. again, you see, it's I'm not I'm I'm not willing to give Draco that much credit. I really am not, um, because the way I see Draco Malfoy is basically is just another mediocre white boy who is allowed to get away with bullshit because he's rich. I'll have some type of influence and power. But he still has to have, have the have, school, No, the no he doesn't because I you you you're not telling me anything that. You think Crab and Goyle company. are doing it? No, well I well we know the company he keeps right, but I'm just simply saying. And the company he keeps, he seeks out these petty people. But I'm just, it's not beyond me to imagine that um, his father had already put in the word for him to get good grades. But the Ministry of Magic. I'm not saying that he's not, an, that he's not capable of performing magic. I am just not giving him any credit to simply say that he is any exceptional in any way. I mean, Snape is willing to help him. Snape is definitely his favorite teacher. Snape is willing to help him in any and every which way he can. I mean, and as we can see, magical education that we've seen isn't really that difficult. Hermione is going above and beyond. She gives him the idea to do the thing. The type of magic, what was, what was, what was, um, what was impressive about what Hermione was doing was that she was performing a, a, a test, a, like a piece of magic that was only that you were not exposed to until you get to this level, right? right. And he said directly that he got the idea from her. Okay, so we're, we're at Slughorn, the, the slug club um, extravaganza with all these fancy people. And as I've been corrected, I thought that Malfoy was trying to get into this affair, but apparently I was wrong. Um, well, clearly I was wrong. Malfoy was using this this you know, the castle being in a festive mode as pretext to go on his expedition that he's been taking to um, the trip secreted away on the eighth floor, it seemed. And I think somewhere along the line, um, it's Snape takes him out of the room and Harry being as inquisitive, inquisitive as always, particularly when it comes to Malfoy, this um, book, he goes out and he's trying to figure out what's happening and he gets to hear pretty much um, 
something that we knew from the beginning of the book that Snape and um, Bellatrix and Narcissa had been in communication about him. Um, We learned two things. That one, Draco is able to... Draco is suspecting that um, Snape is trying to read his mind and he says, I know how to... um, I know what you're doing. It won't work because... I can do Aquamancy, and you know, we learn Bellatrix has taught him Aquamancy. And so Bellatrix is in many regards, say Bellatrix is hoping that Snape would be the one who dies in the process. And not, <laughs> and not uh, Draco, because Draco Draco is tells Snape, you know, something along the lines, you know, you're trying to steal the glory, you know, like you want whatever it is that he's supposed he is supposed to be doing and Snape is just like I'm trying to help you and hence why you know I I did this unbreakable vow and and what I don't understand is like how nonchalant everyone <laughs> is being about this at least Draco is like couldn't be bothered that the fact that this man had made this unbreakable vow with his mother which can possibly result in his death Draco was just like whatever you know what I mean? I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and I'm not going to fail in 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 what I've been trying to do. And I think along this line, um, Snape also indicated that whatever Malfoy was doing had had done already was sort of foolish because Harry wasn't hearing everything, and he didn't hear the beginning of the conversation. I think I got to establish. So it's a sort of interesting. Um, bit happening here because I know even as reading in reading the book I was like oh what's happening here now Snape is and Malfoy this is a rather interesting conversation and particular that in the, it's a conversation that's particularly interesting that Harry is overhearing this conversation because I'm like now like these people can't doubt what you are saying right like you really have proof they don't right. think you are lying you literally hear something that is kind of like it's very very dodgy anyway and but but you know draco draco sounds a little frenzied to me mm-hmm. in this yeah. in this part you know he doesn't say he doesn't sound um and of course you know he's a kid still so you wouldn't expect him to be cool calm and collected but by the same token i think that the fact that he is he's terrified comes across even in his bravado of I don't need your protection um you know I don't I want this is going to be my glory um I can get people on my side you know all of those kinds of things and you know even Snape recognizes it and he says you know you're speaking like a child I understand what your father's uh, imprisonment has done to you but you know Draco is really kind of frenzied in a lot of ways he's frantic well we're gonna find out soon uh, we're gonna find out soon that he's scared yeah yeah well it's beyond i I think that's why he's so frantic yes because he knows he has to do this he knows he has to figure out a way to make this work he he can't even hold a a kind of reasonable conversation because he's just his, his emotions everything about him is on you know red alert so to speak and he is just way out of his league, but trying to act like he's not. Mm-hmm. 
But it, it's funny because this was precisely the thing that he wanted in book two, right? I wish I knew where the Chamber of Secret was, right? So they can just wipe all these quote-unquote mudbloods out of here. You were seeking this kind of a power and attention and task in the past, you know? And it's almost like, right. I really think that he and his father, or his father was really believing that Voldemort was never going to come back. And they were just going to be like the, the I guess, the proxy in right. that sense. And they right. were going to assume some sort of power. Because to me, part of what is the frenzied fanatic what's going on here is that for him, he's trying to reassert him himself as a top dog in the dead eater clan from the outside but now the real dead eaters the one who have been we don't give a shit okay like we're going to do whatever we're going to do for the dark lord those who have been in azkaban who have in azkaban who they're like we're with the dark lord dead to everybody else they are proven to be the ones who are getting the favorable position right all of these people that he would have looked down upon Bellatrix Snape, Snape, as we would learn, is becoming, has been placed, and we learned from the beginning of this book, like he has been placed really close to um, the Dark Lord, and everybody is jockeying for position. So Paul Malfoy is in, he's left with this Herculean task of trying to reestablish his, the Malfoy name. Right. Not the Lestrange, not, not the um, Black's name. The, the, the Malfoy name back into prominence and he is finding this to be really, really messy because ordinarily, because even Narcissa assumed that he would have taken Snape's help. But Bellatrix has already poisoned that well. She was just like, don't trust this bitch. Don't trust him. He cannot be trusted. And we would see later on how this sort of plays out in the end. But it's it's a rather interesting uh, for me this whole dynamic because he's not as we he's not he, he's usually cool and calm and collected right he doesn't like to be he tries to be on top of every situation even when he's looking stupid and now you know like he's all over the place he's having a <clears throat> I mean it's 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 um well again he's it's scared insane in we the don't... magical world but he's having a sort of a little bit of mental mental breakdown. <laughs> He's yeah. having this a little bit. Under, we and, and again, understandably, because we're soon gonna find out that he's been told, "You better get this done, or I'm gonna kill you." Well, I think we know that. We not we don't, implied, but not the whole such as I know, but Draco actually says it soon when they're in the bathroom with Moaning Myrtle, and Harry overhears that. He says, I have to do it. No one can help me. He'll kill me. He said he'll kill me if I don't do it. And he says it again to Dumbledore. So we we know, because we've been through this a million times already, this book, that he's scared. Oh, I only assumed that he was scared because this is something that we knew. Because Narcissa said this, right? That because Remember, this but is the I'm, thing that you... Yes, Reels. Narcissa said it. I'm telling you, I'm reminding you that Draco is going to say it himself oh. soon. He's going to say that he's scared. We're going to find him crying. And then when he has his moment with Dumbledore, where he could kill him if he if he had the courage to do it, he says, I have to do it. He'll kill me if I don't do it. So oh, we I... know 
he actually says the words. Okay, I just never assumed that he that was that bit was ever in any doubt. I mean, Lord Voldemort doesn't give a shit about anyone. <laughs> no, but I mean, he... we don't we we have to remember that we you know we really don't know what's going on when Snape and Malfoy are having this conversation. We don't know everything. It is we can make those assumptions, but it is actually revealed to us. And something you said, Reels, when you talked about Malfoy in the second book and the way he usually <clears throat> comports himself, he's always been doing that with people he considered his inferiors. Right. He's always having those kinds of conversations with the Harrys and the Rons of the world. He's having those conversations with the Crabs and the Goyles of the world. But now he is really in with the big boys, so to speak. Right. And he knows that he is way out of his league. But he is, you know, he's got to do it. You know, he's gotten himself in this position <clears throat> and he's got to do it. So, um, you know, but I agree with you. You would think that when Harry relates this conversation that he's overheard, that people would take him a little bit more seriously. But as we can see, they're still not buying what he's selling. Right. They keep believing this idea about it's a child. This is the child we're talking about. I don't think I know, it's that. I don't think that's not why and, they're be not believing him. But we discussed this somewhat last time around, and I think that is a, the point that we made in terms of like, well, Harry has judgment has proven us wrong in the past. I know, but I think the biggest reason why people don't want to believe him um, is that they want to believe that Snape is the good guy. He is working with Dumbledore and that he's trying to coax information out of Draco to give to the order. I think ultimately that's the biggest thing. But I'm not, I'm not so much so worried about that bit because I think Harry's point is that Draco is up to something. It isn't so much so Snape is trying to do, whether Snape is double dealing and whatever the case is, is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Harry's main issue is that Draco is up to something. I mean, he doesn't trust Snape know how anyway. Right. But, well, yeah, and you know, and all they're willing to say is, "Well, he's up to something, but we don't know what." Stop right. it. Well, when he um when he's having the conversation with Lupin, a lot of the conversation is about how do you guys why do you guys still trust Snape? Right. A lot of the conversation is about that, and and Lupin is reminding him about the Wolfsbane potion, and he's telling him, you know, um, you know that it's really that you're determined to hate him. He, he understands that, but um, that he's still convinced that um, Severus is questioning Draco on Dumbledore's orders. So he really can't get anybody to listen to his his theory. And um, and when that ends, he starts to talk to Lupin about his own experience. And Lupin, this is when Lupin talks about Greyback and the fact that Greyback is the person who, who bit him. him yeah, and that, and that he is really, that, and it's really recognizing that this is, these circumstances are very dire because Voldemort is not above using, um, I'm just an evil person. Well, he's evil too. But uh, he's, anyone. He's not anyone a, no, who is willing. Every, anybody who was willing to do, you know, the kind of evil he wants done, he'll throw his, you know, he'll bring them on board. So that's one of the ways that we learn about just who Greyback is and his relationship to Lupin. I think one of the, and 
now that we're having this discussion about Harry not being able to convince anyone, when ordinarily people would have gone along with his with his ideas and plots, right? Like he never had an issue for people listening to him and considering what he's saying with some sort of like um credulity. They would be like, Yeah, I that makes some sort of sense, right? And let's go right. see. But no, it's around he's finding it hard to get an audience, right? And I think what Roland is trying to do here. And I think all of the characters, at least the good characters per se, is that she's trying to break them all out of their reverie and then their 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 innocence because they're believing in to a certain extent that things are crazy, things are bad, but they're okay. Right? They don't mm-hmm. wanna believe the worst of what can possibly happen, right? Even right. though right. evidence and but they're like, No, it can't be that well. Right, it can't be that. It can't be that. We're living that right now in our world, right? Exactly. Like, oh Mm. no, they're believing that there is a limit (laughs) to a certain extent to evil, right? Right. They've been able to sort of like explain away, you know, like perhaps um, Sturgis Padmo, um, Emmeline Vance, you know, they were in the order. Um, Madame Bones, she was the head of the magical law enforcement, but they don't, they don't, they don't see that these things are basically a breakdown. In a lawful society, these are right. major breakdowns in law. And at this point, I mean, like, the, you literally had Greyback come in and attack a child, right? A baby, like yeah. a toddler. And yet, you think it's beyond Voldemort to go and have a teenager do his right. bidding. It's like, it's like these people somewhat, they, because I think the, the comprehension of the situation is, is, is really too much. In many ways. I mean, in the past, they had the protection. I think in many ways, they, they felt the protection of, of Dumbledore, right? Dumbledore, to a certain extent, could keep people alive and was protecting people. But we would learn that it's not necessarily true, right? But there was this false sense of, like, belief once Dumbledore is alive, that this can all, you know, um, it can, it, so we, we have some hope. But all of that is going to be shattered, you know, like, and all of that is being shattered that we, that even, even, the, I guess, we saw in book five how crazy magical society, established magical society on a whole, was, was just slow to believe Dumb Voldemort was ever alive, right? Um, Fudge and the, the newspapers, etc. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. now that we have established that, that even then, people are not even taking this really seriously. There are That's disappearances right. happening. And yet, there there seem to be, in fact, the the, the order, the there seem to be far more greater activity last year, than there seem to be activities happening this year in book <clears throat> six when Voldemort is out in the open, right? You know, so somehow it almost feel like if people have taken a break, or they think this is a thing that you can take a break from. <laughs> You know, I mean, like I, I think they're really, you know, the the, the strategy, and in, in some ways, now maybe this is just speculation on my part, but Dumbledore is off trying to do what he's doing with what he's doing with Harry, and we're gonna, you know, find out exactly what that is in a in a few minutes. But he's, he, it's almost like he has changed strategies. That once with you know the, they were trying to prevent and contain Voldemort before. Um, now that's not possible. And now Dumbledore has to go to plan B, which is, you know, the plan that he, which is the idea that he has, he has some suspicions about what Voldemort has done 
um, that will that is that Voldemort thinks has made him immortal. And he is about the business of learning what that is and figuring out how they can attack that. Because the the efforts to contain and to, you know, do all of those kinds of things didn't work. Because they were basically, the order was basically doing that by themselves without any support from the ministry. And so now I think it's almost like, well, we're going to have to take a different tack because these people do not listen to good common sense. Well, I mean, I think a way in which you can, um, I think I am I, going to agree with your suspicion, I should say, because I think you're making a fair point, because I think what we can say in book five is what Dumbledore was trying to do from the end of book four into book five mm-hmm. was right. basically con- contain the um, influence and power structure of Voldemort to stop him assuming power, like rising in some sort of like um, physical, um, political power sphere and having right. that influence that they saw last time around. The new strategy now is that that's too late now because the Ministry of Magic hasn't even changed. They come with this, they're looking for symbolic gestures in right. Scrimgeour. Like mm-hmm. they, they have, they're looking to a joke shop for right. protection. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're not doing anything to actually, in fact, combat this man. So Dumbledore's new strategy is that I have to outright destroy this man. That right. because I mean we, I mean it's book five. We go back to book five again because this is what Voldemort says, right? You do not seek to kill me, Dumbledore. And Dumbledore says there are other ways of destroying a man. So there is this, so Dumbledore so, has been, so that was his strategy beforehand, and now Dumbledore is just like, yeah, F that, we gotta go, we, we, we gotta go to, we have just, to take a different route. Okay. I'm wondering if, um, yes, the strategy has changed. I have always thought, especially because at the end of the, uh, in the battle scene between Dumbledore and Voldemort, when Dumbledore says there are more ways to kill a man that has made me think that this has always been killing him, destroying him. Okay. But this is, this has made me think that this has always been a part of the plan that Dumbledore has always been working behind the scenes to get to this moment. I didn't, I never thought this was new. It may have been a shift to bring it out maybe a little bit sooner, but we know that Dumbledore has always planned to tell Harry this. He tells him that. It was just a matter of time. So now, but things have happened here. Dumbledore is, or Voldemort is back and, you know, he has a body again and he's more dangerous and he's re-recruited his Death Eaters and, you know, doing all of the evil things that, that actually cause harm he's not just working behind the scenes trying to get strong again but there have been clues through the whole series um that tell us that dumbledore's always been working on getting this information about Voldemort. i didn't think this was new from this book at all um no well hmm, i i would say that um i guess we'll get into this more in book seven but from my immediate recollection now it seems as if Dumbledore, Dumbledore actually recognized what it would take to destroy him in book two. Um, as has some sort of clue. And I think he got confirmation between book five and book six because of what happened to his hand, right? Because there was no idea about... So I think he's getting information in that respect. But 
I think well, in his, this book, he knew where Dumbledore, this, Dumbledore knew he, where he, Voldemort was. He knew he had been hiding in Azkaban. In, in, when, Dumbledore when Dumbledore starts to tell Harry about Horcruxes and what those are and what it means, he tells Harry, I've had my suspicion and you confirmed it in year two right. with the Chamber of Secrets. You so that's a, another clue that he's always been working on this. No, I, I mean... I should say, okay, I think what Deb and I are trying to say, it's not that we, we don't necessarily think that Voldemort, Dumbledore didn't want Dumb Voldemort destroyed and dead. But I think what he was trying to avoid, do more importantly, is for Voldemort not assuming power and shifting and creating this chaos in the magical world as he is now. Because his yeah. first, I mean, his first thing is to, because he was attempting to go through the ministry, right? Get rid of the, get an envoy to the giants. Get remove these people from Azkaban. Send out to these people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You sort of had to bring a united front, but it's already too late because the magical world has gone into panic mode, and they're not trying See, to get anything else. Oh, so I, I that's, what, that's, that's what we're talking that's, about because, and we know that I, there I are agree. no more other Phoenix meetings as there was before. So, 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 okay. Lupus, I think in some ways Harry. Um, Dumbledore has to abandon even because also that it's a dangerous uh, prospect. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. I don't think anything was ever, I don't think anything was ever abandoned. I think that things moved maybe quicker, but I think all of it was a grand plan and part of it was either going to work or not, but he clearly has always known or suspected that, that Voldemort um, had made Horcruxes and that they needed to be destroyed. I think that's always been there. But I don't know if always. he necessarily meant to be telling Harry this. That's the part I think. Is of course going he to was. Be. He told I don't know Harry. He says it. Why are you saying uh, it's no, no, not no. true? I, 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 what I'm, I'm saying, I don't I think, think originally. That was after the hand. That was after the hand. I think in his, you know, he went out looking for. Right. He went out looking for it, and then he gets the cursed ring. And he said, you know, well, this is down the road. He when he tells Harry, you know, he made the mistake, and he was tempted again to deal with, you know, one of the Hallows. But he put the ring on, and so once he realizes, I don't have that much time. Right, because remember, so he's I've going to die to anyway. Harry, I've got to utilize Harry. Harry, right? Because I've got to. He's the only one now, and I can, and I'm not going to be there to be his back to be beside him. And to so I guess I, I guess I, I always figured when, when Dumbledore if... when Dumbledore had the conversation with Harry saying, I knew at this age you were too young and I figured at this age it might be better, but then you were happy and I didn't want to take it away. So I didn't want to tell you then. So I waited and I waited and I waited and now I can't wait anymore. That tells me that his plan all along was was to to have Harry be included. It was to tell Harry the truth about what was really going on. That happened in book five. Remember, in book five, he's telling Harry that. Do you not see what happened? Things changed because I started to have feelings for you i started to care for you and that shifted because now he wanted to protect harry 
And in many ways, there's a thing that happened. I think one of the reasons why he's, he's choosing Harry to tell Harry, because Harry has risen above the, 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 the all of his expectation. Harry has sure, defied sure. Voldemort in many ways than they had in a, beyond anyone has done. Harry is given uniquely special gifts, which is goes beyond the pale in when dealing with Voldemort. And in the end, also, he's going to die. Um, he knows that he is, um, the curse of the ring has kept it in his hand. You know, that it basically has magical cancer. And I think also that he recognized, and I think he would have that conversation, we'll come to this probably not today, but next session, is that the conversation that they have is that it's it's very clear that Harry wants to face Voldemort. Yeah, this is a fight that Harry is seeking out. So therefore... I think Dumbledore is left with no other choice but to basically be like, I have to give this man this thing because he is the only one in the magical community that is seeking this fight out. Because what is abundantly clear is that no one in the magical community is seeking out Voldemort. They are not seeking a fight. No, despite the fact that they wouldn't necessarily win the fight, but they are not seeking this fight. They are not taking the fight to Voldemort. And anyone, and I think the person who, he knows the other thing, that he knows Voldemort cannot possess Harry, so he cannot, <clears> like, you know, do whatever he's, he could do, possibly do to anyone else, influence them. That's, I think it's that. But, I mean, again, this is open for speculation and debate in some, in some regard. But let us sort of, like, go back to one of my favorite scenes, and we can, Janine is probably going to be like, we got to close it up pretty soon. Um, is... <laughs> <laughs> Is Voldemort, we, we, we see Voldemort again, that in one of Harry's next lessons, we meet um, somewhat um, adult Voldemort, like um, young adult Voldemort. We've seen him as kind of a baby. We've seen him as a baby, yes. We've seen him as a child. We've seen him as a teenager. And now we've seen him in his 20s, his early, having left school, and he decided to take up a job at Bergen and Borgen and Borg. And Harry is just like, what? Like, who works there? Like, you know, because everyone, it's been widely known that Tom Riddle is one of the most brilliant student. Even Dumbledore says it, right? The most brilliant student that's passed through these halls of the school. And he takes this job. And of course, Voldemort is given certain jobs. First, we know that he wanted the job of, he wanted to come back and teach at the school. But this job was denied to him. He couldn't get it. While the old Amando Dippet was the former headmaster. He asked for the job and Dumbledore, it seems, stepped in and was just like, yeah, well, I'm Albus. And I said, no. Deal with it, boo. And we see that he is working with um, Bogan and Books and he's given a special job of like acquiring certain artifact, artifacts or how to um, retrieve items. Um, it seems as if Tom Riddle is capable of persuading um, people from for um, persuading them um, to persuading them to depart with their beloved treasures at a bargain price for bargain and box. And I don't understand this. Why are you trying to take somebody's stuff to then go sell it to somebody else? But you understand. But I guess that's the business of it, right? It's just it's not like they wanted it for their own private collection. But that's a whole other story. It's like antique or antique yeah. archaeology. They run all around. They buy this stuff and then they sell it at a profit. I think that's what that's the, that's what I resulted. Just like capitalism in the magical world, right? 
with well, makeup products. Well, it's any kind of antique dealing. You you know you you go and you um you you cultivate relationships with people who may have had these things and they handed down in their families, and then you you give them a price for it because you know you can sell it for much more, mm-hmm. and so that's that's kind of how people people go to estate sales. They go to all of these places where they know they can find items that are rare and that they can um, you know get a better price for than they have to you know, to, to, to put out, to get the item itself. So I thought that was kind of the way he was hired in there because he was charming and he could talk good to looking. people. Good looking. Um, you know, remember earlier, um, Morphin, he actually thought he was the Tom Riddle. He, when he went back to the, to the, to the guard right. house. Yeah. They mistook him for Tom Riddle. So he, he obviously has all of his father's looks and all of his father's, well, he's probably got more of his father's charm. I suspect he's got a, a smarminess about him in terms of interacting with people because he knows how to get from them what he wants. I mean, I think I think Slughorn um, is points that out to him, right? Slughorn is just like, I am sure you come from great stock, Right. Right, the boy like right. you, you know, like he's sure. And, you know, Tom is like, uh-huh, no, sir, I'm not from the right side of stocks. And, you know, Dumbledore, uh, Voldemort, if anything, he always play on words, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Not from the right stock, boo. You're from Slytherin, okay? You're right. That ain't right stock, but it is, you know, fairly decent stock, but it's not the right stock indeed. But um, we just missed out a, a bit um, also. We realized that, he went back to the gaunt shack. Like yep. he knows he, he goes back to the, he finally found out where he's from. Mm-hmm. And I guess that was a mighty big come down to see that little shed. Ooh. And all that's in there. <laughs> it's morphing in there being all lecherous and like a creepy man. His father, um, has I love died. this part in the audio book. I uh, love it. The, the father died. And dude left Morphin there, and then Morphin looks at him, and he's looking at him like, "Oh my God, what is this idiot doing here?" This, and then Tom Riddle speaks in Parcel Town, and he realizes, "Oh, this is that. This is the child. This is the child." That it seems as if I'm assuming Morphin put two and two together, which is surprise. This is Maropi's right. child, and she had a child with um, Tom Riddle. But also, he would have yeah, also no, heard no. the story anyway, right? He would have also heard the story of that, you know, that Tom Riddle is back in the house, and he had been hoodwinked by the, the gods. You know, like these well, clearly men. he's not quite right, you know? I mean, we know they're not right anyways. And right. then he's been... In- in this shack of a house alone for all this time, he probably at first was like, holy shit, here's a ghost from my past. Like, what are you doing here? Because, I mean, we see him work through it. He's like, wait, what are you doing here? You're that guy. Oh, no, no, you're too young. Young He's old now, isn't he? You know, I mean, he works through it. So I just kind of took that as like, He's been alone. He's, you know, who, who's he going to talk to? He probably, like, has these conversations with himself all the time. And I think and that's he's why. he's coming back from Azkaban, his... too. So who knows yeah, what trauma he think... faced. And he right. And I think that's that why. Way. 
you know, his the way that the way his speech is in this part of the book, he's like, Oh, well, that couldn't be right because this, isn't it? And well, he's dead now, ain't he? And it's like he he's talking and having a conversation, but he's well, also he's having this conversation with himself. As he's holding a conversation with Voldemort, he's also talking to himself, which I think just lends to us to know that he isn't the most stable person. Um, and so we then realize we're just like, here we get in a little piece of the story that we got in book four, that we really get confirmation that Tom Riddle had indeed killed his parents. Um, here we are seeing a little the day off that incident and mm-hmm. suspicion yeah. even more suspicion lies around the fact that morphine memory has been altered there's a big chunk of his memory is missing and he is therefore he the ministry blames the death of the riddles on him and, well, he, he, and he confesses he confesses but he yet confesses. he couldn't he couldn't give much you know I guess details and you know, no, he, said, he said he had details that only someone who is only the killer would know. If who only More, the killer would know, right? Right, right, yes, sorry. because because Tom, um, Tom Riddle modified his memory, right? Yeah. But Dumbledore so, is um yeah. suspicious because when Dumbledore retrieves the, the, the memory, he realizes that the memory is missing that there is no memory of the murder happening right right that's what it is that's why i'm getting confused about he confesses to a murder but there is no memory of the murder but all he seems to um been i think to a certain extent he says something about a ring the ring going yeah. missing well, he says, where's it at right uh, well and, when voldemort goes back he he says that Where's the ring? Where's the locket? Because that was what she took. That was what um, that Marope. was what uh, Marope took. She took the locket, um, and because but somehow or another, Tom um, he, Tom pocketed the ring when he when he went there and used Morphin's wand yep. and modified his memory. So um, he returned to the gone home, performed the complex bit of magic that would implant a false memory in his uncle's mind, laid Morphin's wand beside his unconscious owner, pocketed the ancient ring he wore, and departed. So we know that, you know, but but Morphin was still wondering what happened to the locket that Moropi had taken. Because, you know, he accused, she came and she, she left here and stole us. You know, she stole from us and left here and, you know, he was trying to get more information, not realizing that she had died. He thought she raised him and and come to find out Tom Riddle's having many minor shocks. And you know what he did with shock? He just eliminates them. He has no time for sentimental values and he hates crying. He just eliminates and blasts his way and he wipes out his entire family line, basically. And the result in there, and herein lies the end of the the Gaunts and the Riddle. That's it. There will be no more. Lord Voldemort is the last bit, and he's in his 70s at this point. So, right. I'm bringing no babies into this world. And, <laughs> <laughs> and 
so Dumbledore, we realize at this point that Dumbledore in his um because Dumbledore had to have retrieved this memory ages ago because he attempted to fix to write this wrong. But he couldn't. So this had to have happened sometime in the sixties or seventies, if probably mm-hmm. actually earlier, actually before that, probably in the fifties. Um, because in the eighties that's when Harry is born. And he actually meets um Morphin. But then we get another memory, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the memory is retrieved from the house elf. All right? Hokey. Hokey. And this is where I think it's very dodgy as to how the pensive works. Because I think we had a conversation that mentioned there are times when Hokey is not in the room, but we are still in the room. So Hokey can't capture memory of something. But that Dumbledore she's not has privy a to. memory. But Dumbledore wasn't in the room. He can't have a memory of something where he wasn't present for this activity. He can possess the physical memory, right? But I'm saying that because what he's in, he's in where in Hokey's yeah, memory. Yeah. But so what happened where Hokey's? What happened? Hokey leaves the room to get the treasures anyway, but we're yeah. still in the room. Does that even happen? Yes, what I mean, because and in happens, fact, as it, what happens while Hokey's not in the room that makes you think the, the pensive? No, we're still I in don't the room think so. And, and, yes, and Hepzibah is having an interaction with Tom. What's the and, and and in fact, she she's talking to Tom, and then she sends Hokey back out to go hide the treasures. Because as they're talking and whatever, she calls Hokey to bring. The extra specials, you know, I'm only showing this to you, Tom, because, you know, it's you, you know, and Tom, even Harry, again, one of those things where, you know, ugly women are being depicted as such. Harry is saying, you know, there has to be somebody on an elfish contract that they said they have to lie to their people, lie to their masters and mistresses well, about how they look. That. We don't know that because remember, it, um, Dumbledore pulls him out of the memory before that. After she says, here, Hokey, take these away and lock them up again, the usual enchantments, time to leave Harry. No, but quietly. But Hokey had to leave the room to go get them in the first place. Yes, Hokey did have to leave, but I want to know what conversation took place while Hokey was away. I just kind of took it as... Okay. I mean, well, I get would, it. Hokey, but I, mean, what, I can't imagine that there was the house was so big. That yeah, Hokey where did Hokey go? Have their but, conversation. But Hokey, my point is that Hokey isn't the, the, the special magical safe isn't in the room, right? It's we, clear that Hokey no, no. leaves okay. the room. Listen, this is this is this is what you're. I this is what I I I get it. I get it. Let's talk through it. This is Hokey's memory, and you're like. Hokey leaves the room, but Harry and Dumbledore are still watching Voldemort in the lady. That right. and that shouldn't be right. But 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 we know that the pensive doesn't work that way. We know for whatever reason you don't have to follow the person with the memory. We learned that a long time ago when Harry is watching his father in Sirius and um snape when they're messing with him and harry wants remember harry wants to follow his dad but remembers uh, snape's memory so i guess i better go catch up with him so you don't have to stay 
right there while but you're watching and I understand memory. That, but that that is what I'm talking about the problematic nature because when Harry gets to in, the, in even in that memory Harry is at his father's he's at his father's side right you're Where witnessing a scene I think it's already been set up that when you are looking at a memory in the pensive you're witnessing a scene that's what that's but, it I get all of that, but this is what I'm talking about in terms of saying how Depensive is sort of working, is that Depensive isn't capturing someone's memory. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because we know memory works with just our own perception of what actually happened, but our memory of an incident isn't necessarily the true, in, the true actual events of a, of a situation. Right, you get but Depensive is capturing the memory plus. Because there are things that you, there are things that happened in the scene. They're in your subconscious. The whole scene is in your subconscious. But your memory is the piece of it that you have pulled out. The piece of it that you, quote unquote, remember. And so that, that but you're seeing the entire scene because it's all in your mind. But the piece of it that is your memory is but, you know but that's what I'm talking about is that Hokey leaves the room to get the, the cup and the locket. But right, and I think that's fine. I think it's fine. I but, really do. I think it's already okay. been established that you can do that, that you don't have to follow Hokey. Just I like know you don't have to off. follow Hokey, but that's my point in saying in all the other instances, when we were seeing what we are capturing. Is the person was still in the area to provide this information? Well, hope he didn't go far. But but anyway, but anyway, let's let's not get let's not get on this magical theory hole. Some of the things with the, with when she says, "Hokey, where are you?" Hokey's right there. She's but, like, "Hokey, Hokey, um um, bring bring the things while you're at it." And here, madam. And Harry saw two leather boxes, one on top of the other, moving across the room as if of their own volition. You know, Hokey wasn't far. Oh, I know that Hokey wasn't necessarily far, but like I said, I don't want to necessarily <laughs> get in a magical hole about this sort of like thing. But I'm simply saying there are times for me, just like I was just basically going on the idea that this whole, um, I think we are calling these things, because I think we mentioned, I said that they're calling it a memory, but it's beyond just being a memory because it's not really a memory that you're pulling. You're basically right. pulling the past. Because people's understanding of what is actually happening isn't necessarily what they what's in their memory. If you get what I'm saying, right? Because, and I mean, that's because why, we're that's seeing why, that's why it works. That's uh, why Slughorn is. That's able why it works. That's he's able to alter his memory when he doesn't want Dumbledore to, to see. But the, I think but that's how. The, I think that that is why it is so badly done because you can't really alter these things. Right, right, because right. these things are capturing there. something more. Right, he's basically obscuring it. But like I said, let's not get down this hole about this thing, something. But we get this interaction where we get where we meet more Horcruxes, and we meet a one Horcrux that we've seen before, and we meet a new one. Actually, this is all probably our third time we're seeing this locket. Right, um, we see the locket in Borgen and Borgs. We see the locket in the house before. And actually, full time, and we see the locket in Dumbledore's memory from Bog Ogden, and now we see the locket here, where it ends up. And the every time we see the locket, the locket is in a different person's possession, right? Mm -hmm. And 
a different possession, a different place altogether, and wildly different places. And we have Hokey. We see, we begin to see, I think, our first time seeing this out of a quote-unquote evil eye of Dumbo, of Voldemort in a certain extent. Well, actually, no. We've already seen it as a child because every time he gets a flash of evil, he turns into a snake-like character. But we see a sort of a slow transformation here right, because right. Harry mentioned, you know, Harry keeps mentioning his physical, you know, like he's still handsome, somewhat handsome. And then when he sees him again, he's just like, ooh, Dumb Harry just like, ooh, where is this boy? He's changed completely. He's mm-hmm. lost he's no all of that. He's, he's lost no his eyes are a different color. Snake like, etc. But um, we see Voldemort is turning into like a goblin, right? He has goblin aspect <laughs> of possession, you know? You don't own anything, right? You just get to borrow it <laughs> a little bit. And even for the first time, Paul um, Hepzibah is initially is scared because this is not the Tom Riddle. But you see, all of his attempt to hide who he is, right? He's trying to be this charming person. There is always a moment with almost within every scene where it shifts and people are just like, wait a minute, hold on, who is this boy? People are taken aback. It happens to Slughorn. It happens to Hepzibah Smith. It happens to <laughs> Dumbledore. You know, like that, this evilness, I think that, you know, Rowling is trying to tell us, you know, like it's always under the surface. It's just there. That whatever you're seeing is a very thin veneer of Voldemort. That he's always that any any attempt at being nice or cool and calm and collected is only a play. Like he's ready to strike at any moment. And Poe Hepzibah is gonna feel that in no time soon. Poe Hokey. And, and once again, another house elf takes the fall. Oh, exactly. For, you know, like you know, for something. You know, for being a loyal. Uh, servant of someone, they take the fall, and um, you know this is what happens to Hokey. She poisoned the mistress cocoa, and again <laughs> another day. <laughs> and I think Dumbledore says, you know, these they they always this mysterious death and this mysterious happening happening around Voldemort since childhood, right? People go missing, <laughs> unexplained deaths, uh, suspicious death. And here is another one. This man, and this is what is really interesting, is that it's, it's how crude he is in getting the things that he wants, right? Like, you know, you got to come back and steal that from that woman. It's just a woman and a house elf. I mean, come on, bro. Like, you got magic. But he didn't want to do that. He wanted no. to basically, uh, because like I said, if, um, he, he, he killed them. He basically killed one and let one take the fall and who was then placed in jail for this situation. And yeah. no one, and again, and relying upon wizard prejudices, right? He relied right. upon wizard right. prejudices for morphine. No one sort of asked a real question about what's happening here. And again, you know, here is a loyal house elf who is saying, you know, like, I don't remember, I poisoned the mistress Coco. Like, that's what I remember. And it's just like, yeah, let's go with that. Moving on. She can solve this woman for so long and then that's just the interesting thing right that tom could have stolen this thing and no man would have known for a while because mm-hmm. the, her, her family didn't even know like she had an inventory of things clearly but it I took them a while to figure out 
but it seems like when whoever he takes it almost seems like whoever he he takes something from to get the horcrux that he's going to use he it, it's like he likes to kill but you have to kill to make it a horcrux no that but person I, but it's but, i i would have thought that he wanted to kill so like he he takes the ring right and kills Morphin. So that you got to kill. He dies in jail. Or who is it? He doesn't kill Morphin. Who did Morphin. he kill? But he, he kills doesn't... somebody in relation. I know he doesn't kill Morphin. Hold on. Let me talk through it. He When he gets the ring, he kill, He had killed their family, right? So right. there's a death for that Horcrux. So right. that. That's not Hor it. She, she says later on, it's really disappointing. But Rowling says. None of the deaths that he that he happens here, we never witness any of the deaths to make a whole crux with the exception of when did she Harry say that? Was this a post the, post writing chat? Huh? Was this a post publishing chat? Yeah, it's it's some message. No, I don't situation. I don't I don't do that. He's not making a whole crux here when he collects them. Reels, I he's know not he's not making a horcrux right here. I get that. But I'm saying it seems like his... It would make sense that the deaths that occur along the time when he gets the object that he's going to use line up with making the horcruxes. Oh, there's I mean, a death at the time, yes. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. I, I mean, you wouldn't you let me get that out. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because... I sorry, Debbie was saying. So 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 the Myrtle so the moaning Myrtle's death wasn't to make the Horcrux in the diary. No. Well, whose death made we the don't, Horcrux in the diary? Remember, we don't remember, know. remember moaning Myrtle dies by accident, and he doesn't kill moaning Myrtle. He's responsible right, for her death. Basilisk. The battle it does it. But she okay. she mentioned some random people like you know like uh Trump or whatever just people who he which I I, I can see why you're yeah, really but can upset. We please, no, but can we please not do like the she said after publication because I mean that drives me crazy. I it feel like then she's had too much time to think about it about because trouble. I'm just there are things um, there are things in the book that line up and make some sense and really that's all we have to go on it, it that's all we've got no i'm i think about the only debt that we see i think it's with frank bryce when he kills frank see. at the time yeah that's the only one that we see but well, we actually you we see, this know is, hold on we know no. that the family has this ring and he he kills them we know you know we know that uh, Mrs. Hezbu, whoever, has this stuff and ends up dead. Like, I mean, all of these things, they they seem pretty connected. But, but look what he says here. The, I see someone says here. It says, the ring, the death of Tom Riddle, senior, right? The diary, the death of Morning Myrtle, which, again, this is where I don't know where these people are getting this theory from. The cop, late, late mid to late 20s, is actually early 20s, the death of Hepzibah Smith. What the locket, I just googled it, dead with Horcrux. Okay. The locket, the death of a muggle tramp. The diadem, the death of an Albanian peasant. Harry Potter, the death of Lily Potter. And Nagini, the death of Bertha Jawkins. And I'm just like, <laughs> what y'all talking about? Like, 
I don't understand. Nagini was already a Horcrux before they killed Bertha Jorkins. I thought Nagini was a dead became a um because Dumbledore says that he killed I assume that when he killed Frank Bryce in book four, he makes Nagini a Horcrux. But because I would also at that assume... point because it be, because um Nagini becomes like he can't be parted from Nagini from from a long, much longer time than since um, Borgen, um, Bertha Jorkins. So, yeah, Janina, it's all messy. I just thought, you know, but it's not my end. I never, but anyway. Um, but I think this. Oh, this is so Dumbledore was wrong on on and on more than one detail. He suggested incorrectly that Voldemort used the killing of a muggle, presumably Frank Bryce, to create the Nagini Horcrux when it was actually the murder of the unfortunate Bertha Jockins, according to Rowling, after Book 7 came out. So this is what she's saying. Well, but, let, let, let's take a look at that conversation when he does come back to Hogwarts. And this is, this is Dumbledore's memory. When Tom comes back seeking the job of Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Which is really, um, you know, a really almost like a chess game between the two of them. Although, you know, Dumbledore has one ending for this conversation <laughs> that, you know, so that's not really a chess match because there's only one way it's going to go as far as Dumbledore is concerned. But, but Dumbledore um, knew that. And Dumbledore right. knew he knew that. Right. So that, because that what Dumbledore says, why don't you make an open request, Right. Why did right. you really seek what it is you're looking for? And exactly. I think at that time he almost twitched to go pull his wand on Dumbledore, and Dumbledore was just like, "I wish a motherfucker would." I just wish <laughs> no, you would. <laughs> you just, I mean, you just know Dumbledore was just like, like "Fuck!" Would have swooped down like before you even like. This is Dumbledore like would have yoked you up. Mm -hmm. You would have been messed up in that office yeah. before you even know it. Like, oh, I was just like. There's so many scenes where I want to see certain things happen. And, you know, it's just that was one of the scenes where I just like, please pull your wand. Pull it. I wonder if that's like on the cutting board floor somewhere. If a book? Mm -mm, in a movie. Like if they ever recreated that, then cut it. Oh, I don't know. Because they're very messy with these past memories in a way um, thing. But, mm -hmm. um, they, oh God, these movies are so fully constructed but uh yeah but and i think part of this is just how she pulled she lets it poorly be constructed because she's just like where's it let me see that check number how many zeros okay we're good sign off you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's one of those things where directors and screenwriters just hate the writer like i don't want to deal with the writer the writer doesn't know what they're talking about but and also i think they realize very quickly how her world building construction was very poor and they had to sort of like do so much in terms of like creating what was the and they wanted to, to to sort of what they think they needed to fill in to make it much more exciting and whatnot and she didn't know how to sort of handle magic beyond like basic spells but anyway um so we we do have this sort of interaction so we when we get into full into horcrux next episode when we're talking about Horcrux proper, because I love that whole scene 
when Harry does procure the last memory. Oh my gosh, I love that. We have to we have to do that where we have some time to really um, deal get with get into that sort of thing. Yes. Yes. What we do get at the end of this lesson when all of Harry is seen here. And interesting enough, the word Horcrux, we are interjecting Horcrux into the conversation here because we know so much already. But right. Horcrux doesn't come up. To Harry, Voldemort is just displaying his magpie behavior, that same behavior right. mm-hmm. he saw when he was 11, right? He's just collecting stuff, you know, hurting people, and he's just procuring treasures. And Harry is to assume that Voldemort, who doesn't, who never had anything, no one ever gave him anything, because I can just imagine everyone was suspicious of this kid, right? Like, it wouldn't tell, I mean, because when you're around people for the longest while, people know you are messed up, right? Particularly these right. children. You don't have to they be around for the longest while. Right. So it doesn't take people long to say, you know, there's something wrong with him. Exactly. And <laughs> no one is giving him anything, right? And Tom Riddle is kind of person. You know those children who only want something when someone else has that something? Uh-huh. You know? uh-huh. uh-huh. And I, I just imagine the rabbit probably didn't want to play with you that day and you were just like, you know what? I'm going to kill this rabbit because I don't even like, oh like You know? like Or you wanted to play with the rabbit and they wouldn't let you play, let with, you the play with the rabbit. You and know you what I mean? And you nobody will play with the rabbit. I'm a no. You know? Those, they're, they're those children, right? Mm-hmm. If you... If, you know, if I can't score a basket with this basketball, no one is going to score. I'm going home with my ball. Listen, you know, that kind of there was, I grew up with a girl. <laughs> her name was Destiny. And I didn't like her very much. Well, clearly. And she always wanted, she always wanted to play with us. So <laughs> we would go, Destiny, how old are you? She'd go, oh, I'm nine. I'm like, Oh, you have to be 10 to play this. <laughs> oh, I bet you're so much definitely the psychotic killer because of the trauma y'all inflicted on her. I just I just know it. She's Lady oh. Voldemort. That's why this that's why this is happening now. She's Lady Voldemort. But I mean I really that's think how this is... Tom Riddle to be. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, I can't play because I'm not old enough. Well, I'll fucking take your shit and kill your rabbit and hang it from the raptor. Right, right. Yeah, me exactly. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting because you know, um, I think I I did until I read this part. Um, I did think that he wanted to be the defense against the dark arts teacher. I didn't think that was all the only reason he wanted to come back to Hogwarts. But I thought he did want to um, to come back and to really and, and just really kind of play games with um, Dumbledore while he was teaching, instead of teaching defense against, but he would really be teaching the dark arts. Like that, like what happens when, um, when his regime is installed at Hogwarts later. But um, I thought it was the whole exchange between the two of them. Um, and it's so interesting because there's in so many ways, um, Voldemort does not know Dumbledore. At this point, I think he's he learns because he's still a he's he's a young man here, but he still doesn't he still thinks he can pull a okie doke on Dumbledore. Well, I mm-hmm. I think he's assuming he's only seen Dumbledore in a sort of a two dimensional way, right? In in the fact right. that here is this man who's presumably brilliant, right? Because and we would see in book seven that 
the the uh, many astounding astounding things Dumbledore did at a very young age, very important magical things, right? And you know, yes. and upon leaving school, Dumbledore was like a Jesus, right? With all the little notable people, right? He was talking to all the learned wizard of the time. This is straight out of Jesus at twelve in the temple, talking to everybody, right? And mm-hmm. Somehow something happened, which the public doesn't isn't aware of, which we will get to in book seven. But Dumbledore comes back and being a teacher, uh, he basically becomes a teacher, regular old teaching job, transfiguration, which is spectacular magic. And it's very complex magic, which is to be expected. But he's just a teacher. He's not in charge of the school as yet. And for Voldemort, this is a position beneath him because he says, You've refused the post of um, minister of magic. Minister of magic. You know why you're doing this to him? This power should translate to be you're seeking more power. You need to be pushing magic beyond the bound because the the things that Dumbledore is actually doing is the twelve uses of dragon blood, alchemy, all of these things. I mean, Dumbledore was hanging around Nicholas Flamel, who was about five hundred and something years old by then. You know what I mean? Like, so Dumbledore is like really, really, really smart. But Tom Riddle can't get into these kind of positions. Now, does he want? He's not interested in helping people and finding practical uses for magic. He's interested in power magic. And he wants to show everyone how weak Dumbledore is. He only, because he thinks I'm a match for Dumbledore somehow. I think I could beat this man. I'm not sure right. I can, right. but I think I can. And he's afraid of that moment because power knows power, right? You know what? Game knows game. You know game what I mean? Real yeah. knows real. You know what I mean? He knows the he knows of everybody in the magical world. Dumbledore is is his nemesis. He's Dumbledore is living rent free in his mind, right? But I think when Dumbledore I think when Voldemort, I feel like when Voldemort went back to the school to ask Dumbledore for the teaching job. That he did genuinely want it. He didn't want it to teach. He wanted it to experiment. He wanted it to mm-hmm. recruit. I also think that in that moment, he thought he was the better wizard. In that yeah. moment. I think he probably yeah. thought, I um, I know who you are. Um, I don't understand why you've made the choices that you've made. Like you just said, like, but you've been offered minister of magic position and you've turned it down multiple times, you know, like, so that that's like, what, what the hell's wrong with you kind of thing. But I think, um, I don't think Voldemort was afraid of Dumbledore at this point. I think yeah. he thought that he could, um, if, if they had to duel right there, Voldemort probably believed full-heartedly that he was the winner and that he was smarter and that he was better because even though he maybe didn't share the same knowledge he thinks that the the dark magic is most powerful and um i think dumbledore we've discussed a little bit probably knows all of that magic just chooses not to use it um whereas and and we don't know if voldemort we don't know if voldemort knows that about dumbledore but i really think at that meeting, Dumbledore, when Dumbledore says, no, you cannot teach, I really think Voldemort thought, I'm better than you. And I really think he really wanted to be there. Because also, Dumbledore tells us, you know, he always had um, some kind of special connection that he probably felt with Hogwarts, because that was the only place that he could ever really call a home. 
and that he probably did really want to be there. And remember, he never even wanted to leave. So he's tried to stay there multiple times. Now, we do know that he was recruiting Death Eaters when he was still a student, but I I think he did really want to be there. Yeah, I think he wanted to be there. And he said, because Dumbledore didn't say you, um, you didn't want this job. He said... I don't think for much you expected me to give you the job. And but Dumbledore yep. also prevented the other people from giving him the job as well. But so for, for, for me, I thought it took this scene to be that I think Dumbledore, Voldemort knew that Dumbledore was not going to give him the wizard. It's not the that's wizard, the du- job. That's what Dumbledore said. Mm-hmm. Even though he was not going to get the job. And I don't think he even because he already had the, um, he, he had his Death Eaters waiting for him. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he said there. But he had to try. But there was a. He had to try because that's what he he wanted. No, I think he had to try. He he went. The the pretext of the meeting was to come to the school to hide the last Horcrux. That was the pretext of the the, the meeting. Because he had to have known. Because a, 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 a fundamental line is drawn, I think, in this conversation. Because he tell Dumbledore, you know, like I have been someplace, I've seen some things. Because Voldemort is not really interested in quote unquote influencing that aspect because he doesn't go to the ministry. He goes to Borgen and Borgs. Mm-hmm. So he's on he's on some different track. If he was merely interested in like power and it doesn't whatever. change the fact that he wanted to be there. But he says he to Dumbledore wanted, he wanted to be there for other reasons. But I don't think I don't for me, I don't think he I knew he for me, I think he didn't want I don't know if he I do not see this man sitting on being a real teacher. Because oh, he would have been a. Te- I th- I absolutely think he would have. He would have been a teacher. He would have taught them the dark arts, and he would have been building an army. That's what he wanted to do. But he was I've always capable of doing that anyway, and he's capable. But if he of- could get young minds, if he could get young minds, and if he it's could like do a right under Dumbledore's nose, that and would be the ultimate. Yeah, but there is a fundamental. But there's a fundamental difference that comes up right here in this conversation, if I'm not mistaken. He says to Dumbledore, I have seen some things. I've learned a lot. I can show these people something. And, you know, I know, I, I don't know if he didn't say I know everything. And, you know, and now Dumbledore says in reply, but of some things, you're wholly ignorant. And then he says, is it love, Dumbledore? And he right. says, you know, they had that. So there is a fundamental difference in the brand of yeah. magic. Hey, and we in, know in that Dumbledore has a, um, even... Um, um, without res- Dumbledore without also tells Voldemort, Voldemort in this. He also tells Voldemort in this man in this moment. I would hate to believe that half of the things I've heard are even true. Right, right. And There's definitely a line drawn, no doubt. There's a line Dumbledore drawn. Doesn't call him Lord Voldemort. He says Tom, and he says, you know, right? like, they yeah. don't call me that he anymore. Says, I don't go by that name anymore. And he said, okay. oh. And he kind of does a thing like you You'll know, people, always you, be Tom. You always be Tom to me. <laughs> you know, you gotta indulge, like almost like you've got to indulge an old teacher. This is the chat. Because yeah, every time Voldemort meets Dumbledore, he is making this attempt to show up Dumbledore, but he's not mm-hmm. winning. In no. some, it's some no. psychological thing, and he every time he sees Dumbledore, I imagine that he still feels that this man is treating me like I'm still eleven. He's yeah, looking at and he does. He, and he does. does. 
And that is what is driving him insane. And it disarms him no matter, every time, every time it disarms him, even though he knows what he's doing, it disarms him when they're in the um, ministry and they actually are fighting. Um, but and it always disarms him when he says, when Dumbledore says quietly, Tom, he it just gets to him because a he hates that whole connection to the the riddles, and b it's almost like Dumbledore sees through him every time he says that. But so I think he's he is losing his shit. But I don't. I, I mean, I, I guess I can see. I can see. The, the pros of him teaching, but I just, I just, I just took it to be one and the same when I thought that you know he was never going to get the job because he did ask Amanda Dippet for the job and Voldemort Dumbledore had been like, uh, uh-uh, this boy can't be anywhere around here. I just right. assume he wanted to be at the school right. for a bit, not just really to because he was he was getting followers anyway, but I think he wanted to plunge the school because he saw the school as one of that rate because the school allegedly. I mean, has is a huge bastion of magic and old magic too, and I think he wanted to tap into that sort of uh, a bit because there are things that he because he assumes so much about the school that only he alone knew, right? The room of hidden things was which is great, but I guess he didn't even pay attention to that, right? That um, that what's his name was already in the room. What's his name had figured out how to get into the room. Draco had figured out how to get into the room. Mm-hmm. So he didn't even consider that. Well, that might not be such an ideal hiding place after all, but hey, criminals can be assured of having an imaginative mind, but it doesn't mean that they have a smart mind. So, Well, he, I mean, Harry got in the room. Right, but Harry didn't get into the room. Um, Harry got into a different... Um, oh, you mean at the time when he went to find the whole crop? Yeah. Initially, Harry got into the room accidentally. I didn't know how, but anyway, let's not. Right. He didn't get in accidentally. Dobby told him about it. What do you say? No, when he went to hide the, the potion book. Right. When he went to hide the potions book. Potion book. He wasn't really looking for the room of hidden things. He was just looking for a place to hide the right. room. Because yeah. remember when Dobby told him about well, the room yeah. of requirement? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. knows the room of so requirement what is, exists. Whatever you need it to be. But he right. knows that it's whatever you need it to be. But he couldn't figure out what what um, Draco needed it to be to get in there. Right, and right. Draco, and this is the thing that I thought was really, that's a whole plot point of crazy nonsense, but we'll get to that when we get to there. But um, it's, um, but so, so we're at this point where basically a line is drawn for all between the two magical deities at this time. And we also have Dumbledore has set homework for Harry for the very first time. He must secure a memory from Horace Slughorn. It is paramount that they get this memory. And Harry must do... Hadn't he asked him to get the memory before and Harry didn't do it? Um, Yes, yes, he had asked him before. But I think this He told him he needed him to get the memory and Harry had been unsuccessful. And getting, it's almost like he 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 reached out to to Slughorn once, and from that moment on, Slughorn was a, was avoiding him, yes. because Slughorn knew what Dumbledore wanted. Because Dumbledore and, had already gone and asked for it. 
Right. And, and he had so, given Dumbledore something, and he realized Dumbledore would have known, bullet, this ain't it. Who do you think you're fooling? Right. That's right. So, you know, he's, he's telling Harry, you have got to get that memory. Everything now, you know, kind of depends on it. So, so that's I, assume kind of how is, I have that to assume lesson. that when Dumbledore asked him to come back to the school, this was part B of the of the request. So while you're here, <laughs> can I have that memory? <laughs> you know, right. well, and then Slughorn offers up this bullshit memory. He offers up this bullshit memory. Yeah, that was why he went and got Slughorn, because he knew Slughorn. Um, you know, he 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 suspected the Slughorn con- the, the the role that Slughorn paid played in in uh, Tom learning about Horcrux. And he took Harry so that they can establish that connection already. He knows exactly. how Slughorn loves rare objects and things, right. and right. he likes to collect people. And this would be the prize jewel, and this is the linchpin, <laughs> which would get Dumbledore what he wants. I'm telling you, Dumbledore is playing 3D chess out here, okay? Let me know. Let's let no one doubt Albus Dumbledore's, you know, ability to be 15 ahead, uh, steps ahead of you, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, he's already up on the hill and going down on the other side while you're still trying to make it way halfway up. He's ahead of you. But this is all this is all really interesting. I think one of the things I love about this book is, you know, the it's the real um I don't want to say academic academic level of it and some ac- academic aspect of it. There's so much, you know, information, so much thing to pass through. We have history which we have been dying to get. We sort of always get like these little tidbits um in the other books, but here we have like real history and intrigue going along with it. It's very... So I definitely do um, enjoy um, this book of it. So it should be interesting when we get to the coup de grace of this book, I think. For me, that scene between Harry and Dumbledore for, I think, their their last in-class lesson. It will be the last time they'll have the um, their last class lesson because thereafter the next lesson would be the cave so we have we're getting close to the end ladies yes no no we'll get at least 10 more podcasts out of this. <laughs> <laughs> but, i mean we, we we're learning so much about voldemort you know like uh, we're seeing who he was because in the past we there was so much mystery around him right it seems as if no one knew anything about Voldemort. He just appears out of nowhere, right? Like, no one says, oh, my God, because, you know, well, I, I'm just thinking about in the curb, and they'd be like, you know him? This is so-and-so's son. This is so-and-so, you know what I mean? You know, little Tom Riddle? He grew up to be that bad old boy, Voldemort. Well, <laughs> no one says this. No one seems to have any sort of history to go along with Voldemort other than Voldemort exists. Or they don't even call him Voldemort. He who shall not be named. And just all of the evil things that happened in his week and in his presence and his followers. That's all of the information. But now we're getting so much backstory on this man. And whether or not you feel some sympathy with him, you sort of get a much more clearer, I guess, character profile and psychological understanding of who this man is and what, why he is the way he is. Though I don't think she's trying to let... She's... Though... She's not making any excuses for him. So I'm sure there's some sociopath out there who's just like, oh my God, Tom Riddle is such a sympathetic character. No. Mm-mm. 
Not no, buying that. Not at all. And it makes it clear that other people have had damaged childhoods and they did not choose that path. So, I mean, she, that's, you know, the, there are so many similarities with characters who are overcoming their own, overcoming their past, but not, um, they may not become fully, you know, functioning adults. Snape, I'm looking at you. But they, um, they all, but they also have redeeming qualities. Tom Riddle makes all of his own choices, and he chooses not to have any redeeming. Well, qualities. well, we, I think, in just certain extent, we've seen all of those people to a certain, to somewhat at eleven, right? But mm-hmm. only Tom Riddle is the only one who says, you know, like I'm special. I know there's something about me that's really special, and he goes out to seek this specialness, right? He goes out to seek information leading to give him to suppose so in fact that's all he's ever really looking for right his whole journey is to underline the fact that he's special he's unique and then he finds out his connection with Slytherin and then it's smooth sailing from there into like evil town I mean I'm sure he was already evil we know that but I mean just like there is no holding him back no he's trying to take over Grindelwald's spot and all that business when he finds out he is the heir apparent of Slytherin. So yep. here we are. But, you know, um, but I guess we get, but you see, because it's what I think is somewhat unique, interesting, is that Voldemort doesn't even care about information because when he finds out the diary has been destroyed, he should have been like, how did they get down there? Because they, they knew, I mean, they knew Harry went down in the pit. To go, you know what I mean? That's way he but, Harry, but but Voldemort consistently underestimates Harry. He consistently underestimates everybody. He has, mm-hmm. you know, he, you just said it. I'm special. My plans, my act, my my thoughts, my deeds will 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 win the day. So he doesn't he realize until there are destroying Horcruxes that they that they are on to him. So that you've just answered that that question right then and there. He does not believe, he really does believe that he is smarter and he is more cunning and that he has better plans than anybody who is going up against him. So he doesn't, um, by the time he realizes what's going on, it's he's, he's down to Nagini. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> he's down to Nagini and himself. Right, right. And he doesn't realize that in destroying in destroying Harry, he destroys himself. But we'll get to that in episode yep. 100. <laughs> I am sure we will get in episode 100. Uh, probably so, 102. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> so, yeah, so book six is coming on really nice and strong, as always. So much information. I mean, even gotten to, like, the juicy... Like every piece feels like a juicy detail, doesn't it? <laughs> every piece just be like, why. "Oh my god, this is so excited!" Like, "Oh my god!" Like, we have to spend a whole episode on this section and on that section. And again, we're not even dealing with the business of school because Ron almost dies, <laughs> but we'll deal right. with that later. <laughs> we'll deal with that. We'll, we'll we'll come to that little tidbit later on. You know, like we're so steep in history and. This would pay dividend in book seven when this all this information plays out. So, Janina, you want to wrap us up since you are the timekeeper? 
I am the timekeeper and <laughs> you cannot turn it back because all of the time turners were destroyed. Yes, they were. So we have to operate in real time. So I'm here to tell you that you need to like us, please comment, rate, and review, please, on Apple Podcasts. And wherever you get your podcasts, you will and find Podbean. us. Podbean, Amazon, Spotify, iTunes, all of the places you will you. find the magic of the Black Cauldron. And on that note, Mr. Let me just say that we are really and truly the best. Always say, let me just say one more. It's it's true. I just want to say. And he's like, I just got to say one more thing. (laughs) I just got to let everybody know because I've tried to listen to other people's podcasts and I mean, they are not as good as us. So we should be getting the love we really deserve. I'm sorry. Just had to say that. <sighs> Mischief managed. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>